come here, get off. Today, we're blessed to talk to Carol Taylor, the creator of the Brown Sugar series, which is where we first read Luzette. A former Random House book editor, Carol is a 25-year publishing veteran who has worked as an editor, co-author, book doctor, and ghostwriter with literary and commercial writers, noted academics, public figures, and celebrities. The award-winning author has given us 10, 10 <laughs> books, <laughs> yeah. including the 2010 novel, The X Chronicles, and the best-selling Brown Sugar series. Carol heads up editorial strategy and conceptual development as an editorial director at McKinnon Literary Agency, teaches in the public certificate program at City College, and has taught creative writing at New York University. Carol, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This is a real pleasure and an honor. Oh, yay. We feel the same way. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Before we dive in, what are your preferred pronouns? She, her, Carol. Brown sugar. (laughs) (laughs) Always happy with brown sugar, which I do sometimes get. (laughs) I love it. So we read your bio and it's dope. You do amazing things, but we would love it if you could sum up what you do in one sentence. I work with words in every incarnation from editing to writing to ghostwriting I help people put their thoughts and ideas on the page in a way that helps them and others. Hmm. Wow. That even sounded beautiful, right? (laughs) (laughs) Talking in paragraphs out here. (laughs) So take us back to little baby Carol. What did you want to be when you grew up? Wow. You know, I was born in Jamaica. So for me, the whole idea of writing books was, was just not something I was thinking about. Um, You know, we were thinking about getting out of Jamaica, quite honestly. So we left Jamaica and came here to the U.S. And then I found that I could disappear into books. Mm. And, you know, I'm the youngest of four, but I was the one who was always under the bed reading a book with a flashlight. And I found these worlds in books. But you don't know where books come from. I thought they came from the bookstore because that's Mm. where I got them. And I always wanted to be a part of that process. I didn't know if it was writing them. I, you know, I journaled, but I didn't equate that with being a writer. Although mm-hmm. that's a start. Um, I assumed, okay, books come from the bookstore. I'll go and I'll work at a bookstore. And I did that mm-hmm. and very quickly found out that I am not a retail person. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's when I found skill. out I am not a retail person. It's a whole <laughs> different world. Um, and then it occurred to me that, oh, Books come from publishing houses and editors get to make those books. And that's when I decided, this is way back in the day, God, I'm going to date myself, when we (laughs) still had to know how to type. So I had to learn how to type 90 words a minute. And I decided, okay, I want to get a job in a publishing house. And I went to an agency in my little cheap polyester suit, 90 degrees out, um, burning up and sweating every day with my little briefcase, nothing in it. And I learned to type. And by the end of that summer, I was sent for a job at um, Anchor Books. This is before they were a part of um, Random House, when it was still just Random House. And, and not a part of um, PRH. 
So I went for a job there in the editorial department. And unfortunately, I did not get that job. But I impressed the human resources person so much because I was nice in the elevator that when she got a job at Random House, she asked to see me. And that's how I actually got a job as an editorial assistant at Random House, which was my preferred house. So that's karma. Looking good. (laughs) And that's how I became a book editor. No one no one tells you about the process of making, publishing, producing, acquiring books unless you're actually in the book world. And and so it was a real education for me. And right now I work at the publishing certificate program at City College, and it is a program that introduces students to the book publishing world, and it's taught by industry veterans. And this is a program I wish I'd had 20 years ago, 25 years ago when I started. Well, I mean, that's interesting because one thing that I noticed is you didn't say, like, you didn't say I went to college and, you know, studied English or I studied journalism, that it was really that you decided you were going to do it and the thing that you felt that you had to learn was typing. Did that, was at that point, did it, was it ever, were you ever made to feel as if that was something that um, was a necessary part of the journey to becoming a books editor or was it never really an issue? Nope. It was never explained. I never could conceive hmm. of, we didn't know what that was. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, ask, ask a kid in college what a book editor is. They won't know what that is. Like, we have <laughs> no concept of it. Like, being really serious. Like, no, it's what true. is it? I Where mean, does I, come from? Right? What yeah. happens in book publishing? Like, I, they, we teach whole courses on this. Because uh, to adults who are writers, because we really don't know the process. I'm a writer too. And the fact that I can write 10 books, a book a year is Mm. only because I was a book editor. Mm -hmm. I know the process. I know how it works. So no, I I went to school. I graduated. um, I took, I was a literature major, creative writing minor. And I had no clue that I was going to work in publishing or be a book editor. I was like, I like books. This is interesting. I'm terrible at math. So forget <laughs> that. Economics, that's not happening. I wanted to, you know, I love literature. This was interesting to me. But no, I never connected any of those dots, never knew the questions to ask. You know, of course, I had a guidance counselor. never occurred to me to ask them, so how can I work with books? I was like, oh, I'm content to read them had no idea what I would do with that knowledge until I don't even remember how I figured out that I should be a book editor. I think I was reading something about the book world and it said book publishers. And then I just did my research from there. Wow. Mm. And now who you are. So exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and where you are is that you really created a genre that didn't not in a really substantial way, at least to me, exist before. Um, like we started this podcast to turn on because we want to explore erotica that centers black women and femmes and really anybody that doesn't identify as a man um, and black bodies and black sex. And I'm wondering what pushed you to curate and create this series? Like what's the origin story of Brown Sugar? Well, on my home planet, Krypton. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love an origin story. I yes. love the way you phrased that. See, you know, it's, an interesting, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting story, and it comes from publishing. Um, you know, when I was an editor at Random House, I did a lot of books um, that had to deal with the black world. Um, for me, that's my interest. 
Um, I'm interested in um, immigrant stories, black stories, brown stories, because I don't center white culture. Hmm. Um, For me, black culture is the center. And so although I acquired, which means I bought books, not all not all editors acquire books. Mm -hmm. Some acquire them and edit them. I bought books, acquired books, fiction, nonfiction, self-help, pop culture, four color books, lifestyle books, all under the umbrella of multiculturalism, because that's my interest. And when I was at Random House, you know, that, that, that was a huge house even before it merged with, with Penguin. And there were about, I don't know, five editors of color. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I did a lot of the books of color that were published not only by the imprint that I worked at at, at Random House, but the other imprints as, as well. I was a reader for a lot of those books, and you would call them now sensitivity readers. Mm-hmm. But I was reading books that they wanted to know if the, the black market would be interested in them. Wow. And in one of those um, meetings, I, I ended up actually publishing a lot of books by Essence editors. And one of those books dealt with black love. And after I left Random House, um, because the culture had become very corporate and editors were doing far fewer actual editing of manuscripts than going to meetings and marketing, and and it really wasn't what I had signed up for. Mm. So when I left Random House, I acquired one last book from Essence on Love, and I had done a lot of research from one of their editors to acquire it. And I got a call from an editor who said, do you think that there is a market for a book about black erotica. And I was like, who are you talking to? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> You're a black lady. What's happening here? I was like, of course. Um, of course, there is an audience for a book about black love, black sex, black relationships, erotica, because, you know, we are seen by white America as being monolithic. Mm-hmm. But within the black world, we have so many diverse stories. Just the three of us are so different. And yet we're all three black women. So, of course, I knew there was a market. And, of course, I had a lot of information from the research. And she was like, okay, you're an editor. Put together a proposal. Mm-hmm. So I put together a proposal and I called up an agent and I said, so-and-so wants to see this. Will you send it out? She sent it out. And the book was bought. And the first, you know, and I mean, it's it's an, an erotic anthology of black fiction, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine back in 99, this whole concept is high concept, mm-hmm. a collection of erotic black fiction written by people of color for people of color, gay, straight, what have you. So this is high concept. And to me, I'm like, this is Saturday night. This is an high concept, <laughs> right. you know, this is just real talk. And, you know, I was blessed to actually have them, um, this was Penguin Plume, did the, the first brown sugar, put together a gorgeous package with a beautiful woman on the front, mm-hmm. so tastefully done. I had amazing writers, as you know, and we put together a really rich collection of stories that really told the tale of love in diverse communities in many different voices. I had poets, I had novelists, I had nonfiction writers, and it was just so raw and real that I think the first week it was published, it hit the LA Times bestseller list at number two. And they were astonished. 
And so they had to just keep rolling out and rolling out books. And they sent me on a 10 city book tour because of it. <sighs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we, we created a genre with this, um, with this package, you know, I'm, I'm a book editor. So we created a package that I knew would suit the market. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a, a small format trade paperback at a particular price point in a particular that looked a particular way. And it worked. And then you saw so many other different, I mean, in addition to the three others that we did, there's Brown Sugar 2, 3, and 4, there were so many other erotic black anthology collections that popped up. Some did well, some did not. But this is really the benchmark, I think, for these types of collections. And I was thrilled. They weren't competing with me. I was happy, Mm. very happy to see them. Mm-hmm. So you you said that this is just what you do, but can you kind of dig a little deeper and tell us why you think it's important to tell these stories and what draws you to this type of work? Oh, you know, uh, here's the thing. You know, for me, erotic Black fiction was a way to encapsulate what it was as, as a category, but really, these are stories about us, stories that were not being told in this way, in this voice, in this style. And it's important to me as a Black woman to be able to talk about sex, sexuality, um, feelings and emotions around that and communicate that in a way that allows me to feel empowered and to tell my story mm-hmm. and to let others do it. Black people and people of color were being depicted only as one dimensional in one way. Women were like this and men were like that. Mm -hmm. And that is really not the full kaleidoscope or mosaic of our lives. And these different stories were showcasing those different worlds Mm -hmm. in really interesting ways. So for me, it's, it's a reclaiming of my sexuality as a woman, and to being able to talk about it. There's nothing wrong talking about sex. We're all having sex. We may as well talk about it. And there's a way to write about sex in a way that is sexy as opposed to being, quote, unquote, pornographic. I think Isabella Allende said um, erotica uses a feather and pornography uses the whole chicken. And that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And there are different layers to erotic writing. And when you are able to convey those different layers in a really nuanced way, you can write something that is incredibly sexy, sexual, and erotic without one sex scene. Mm. There's not a lot of sex in these books. That's the funny part. There's not a lot of sex happening on the page. It's really erotic, sexual, sensual couplings between people. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, you talked a little bit earlier about how you've acquired and edited books across several genres. Did you ever, and it sounds like no, but did you ever struggle with the decision to include erotica in your portfolio? That's an interesting question, you know? It really is because I think of all those nuances I just talked about. You know, you look on my, you know, here's the thing, like, Brown Sugar has made me a a Times bestselling author, you know, I've had a fantastic career behind it. And these are books that I'm really, really, really proud of. So, you know, my very first book was a collection of, you know, uh, the best black essays, the best 100 black essays, like, that's my first book, Sacred Fire. 
I was writing nonfiction essays. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't have any misconceptions or misperceptions about who I am or what I write or any of that. And I was hoping to demystify the idea of a black woman who is, I hope, sexy and certainly sexual writing about sex and intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's as much intimacy in these collections as there is sex, probably more. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of sex actually in these. And, you know, I've published people like, gosh, um, I mean, I've published nearly every black writer in these Seriously. four collections, <laughs> plus Wanderlust, literally, Edwige Danticat, yeah. Tanana Reeve Do. I mean, literally almost everyone who has, you know, come up. Mm-hmm. And folks you know, who we don't necessarily, as, as, you know, um, associate with erotica. erotica with erotica. Yeah. And because erotica is not what people think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, erotica is not necessarily sex. Erotica is the eroticism around the act itself. It doesn't, the act doesn't even have to be there. Erotica is almost the buildup to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, erotica has gotten kind of a bad rap in many ways. Um, but, yeah, it's really the art of writing about intimacy and emotion and maybe there's sex involved. It's almost all of that build up to it without the sex on the page. But I could probably count on one hand, maybe with three fingers, all the books in all four of the series that actually have uh, the act of sex in them. Most of these don't. Hmm. So, so to answer your question, I, you know, my website's called Brown Sugar Books. My company is called Brown Sugar Limited. You know, so brown sugar means so much to black folks. I got brown sugar from D'Angelo. You know, so you know, brown sugar is a saying that we have. It's an emotion. It's a way that we are. It's a feeling. When you walk down the street and someone calls you brown sugar, you know what that means. Mm. So for me, there wasn't really any shame because, one, I'm kind of shameless. Yes, shameless. <laughs> <And> two, <laughs> you know, in the best possible yeah. way. I am without shame. You know, and, and it's hard for people to shame you when you are without shame right. because you stand on your truth. You know, and and I look at this collection and they have defined a generation of writers. And you look at the writers I've worked with and every one of them is working in the industry right now. Zane. And, you know, when I worked with Zane, Zane wasn't edited. You know, her books, you know, first she couldn't find a publisher and then her books sold so well that she was then pretty much packaged by her, her publisher now. But she's not really edited. So when I worked with Zane, it was the first time she'd worked with an editor. Yeah. And her story in Brown Sugar is very different from what you will find in, you know, in Zane's first yeah. self-published books and some of her books now. So, you know, there's a difference to working with a book editor, to, you know, to be honest. So, again, not at all. You know, on, on my website, you'll see all my books. And, you know, I also am a ghostwriter. I write for a lot of other people. And they can go and see all the books that I've written. And if someone would rather not, work with me because I can work in a particular genre very well, then that's probably not someone I should work with. Yes. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. And it's it's I think it's heartening for at least for me to hear. I mean I think you know, when we first started talking about doing this podcast, I had a little bit of hesitation because it is it, it can be mm-hmm. seen as a deviation from the work that I typically do. Um, but it really came down to, you know, kind of what you were just talking about. It's a part of a whole and it is 
a way that you bring your whole self to the table when you do this work alongside all the other work that you do and making that conscious decision to not shame yourself and not let anyone else bring shame into the equation is pretty powerful, I think. I agree. And, you know, it's part and parcel with who we are as women, as mothers, as sisters, as daughters, as as wives. It's you know, this emotionality, the sexuality, the sexual part of who we are is part of who we are. And as writers, we have to be able to explore that. As people, we have to be able to explore that and have conversations around it. I mean, that is actually what intimacy is. And quite often, that's what's missing from the sexual equation. I'd rather we bring more of that in than anything else, then everything else would be better. But yeah, I I agree with you. Sometimes you do have to think a little bit about it. But, you know, honestly, it depends on what you're doing and how you're doing it and who you are. That's what informs your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So speaking of shameless, uh, when we first met in person, (laughs) I told you that I had brown sugar in my special pal in my room. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) How does it make you feel that like your work is with people in some super intimate times? I love it. I love it. You know, it's been almost 20 years and I went on a 10 city book tour and, you know, this book speaks to, you know, 18 year olds and 55 and up. I had women of every generation talking to me in a real way, and they would, like, clutch my hand (laughs) and say, thank you. Like, I had, you know, auntie and grandma, like, thank you, you know, for just talking about, you know, real relationships between Black people, just told in different ways. We were so tired of these flat, one-dimensional characters and women only looking in a particular way and men only acting in a particular way. And we know that's just not the truth. So I feel at this point, like I got over my first few, um, you know, readings and signings. Of course, you judge the crowd. They're going to be different in Atlanta than they will be in Houston or Dallas. Uh You know, you judge the crowd. And so I know what I'm going to read and I know what I'm going to talk about. And inevitably, At the end, it becomes a discussion about relationships between men and women. And that's exactly what I wanted it to Mm. be. And so that's very, very exciting for me. But that's what it's really about, communication, talking about things Mm -hmm. that we don't talk about and and didn't talk about or was only talked about in one way. Yeah. So let's just dive a little deeper and talk about the story that we're reading for this episode, Luzette. Why did you choose to include that story in the collection? Oh, I think that I included that story in the collection more because I loved the writer, to be honest. Um, You know, I, I, I chose my writers and then they sent in the stories, to be honest. And it just really resonated with me in a way that it it was something I had not read before and really felt was the voice was wonderful. The, the characterizations was amazing. And I just, I hadn't seen anything like it before. And it was very exciting to me. Um, and, and really that's, that's what I, I did with all of my, my writers and their stories. Some in, 
Some names you will know and some names you will not know. But they brought something to the table that I had not seen. And that's what I saw in Doucette. Mm-hmm. Cool. So this story is a little different from some of the other stories that we typically read for the um show this one is written from a male porn star's point of view but we were really interested in Luzette and her being a boss that just took what she wanted um so tell me a little bit do you relate to her and can you tell me about maybe a time where you've had to you had to have something or someone and just I, went that's for it like all my life <laughs> you know that's my, that, and, and it's all my life quite honestly I am the trifecta I'm a black immigrant woman it's the trifecta. Um, and leaving a place, you know, mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was in Jamaica, it was, it, it was a third world country. Mm-hmm. And there was curfew, there mm-hmm. were like militia, and it was a place where you wanted to leave. You know, Jamaica's beautiful. Please go. It's gorgeous. Um, back when I was a young, young girl there, it was a very different place. Um, So, you know, when you actually get out of a place and get somewhere else that you really want to be and you travel in a plane at five years old and you end up in a whole different country and a whole different place, and then you have these struggles with language, with identity, with culture. You know, I was Jamaican before it was cool to be Mm. Jamaican, you know, and there were all of these uh, dynamics between, you know, American Blacks and West Indian Blacks that is is not as... um, uh, I, I don't think it's as bad as it used to be, but, you know, it was certainly there. And ending up going to a school that was very white, you know, I went to Southampton College on Long Island, very white, uh-huh. and working in corporate America, which was also very mm-hmm. white, I have always had to push myself in a way where, you know, not getting to where I wanted to be was simply not an option. And I would get there by any means necessary. And that's not this huge dynamic thing. It's really just kind of keeping it going, like going and getting a typing test all summer and, you know, get being able to get that other job because I didn't get that other job, you know, just keeping it moving. We're black women. We We know we figure it out. We'll get it done. And so that's always been my M.O., um, whether it is a relationship, a job, a, an apartment, a situation, whatever that is, you just keep it moving and you get it done. And perhaps that's a part of my immigrant background, you know, where things look really bleak, but you just keep it moving. And I have taken that background with me wherever I go, you know, so I, it's just you just get it done. It's actually okay. one of my favorite things about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, as you know, if I can't get it done this way, I'll get yeah, it done that way. Done. You just yeah, get it done. very <laughs> important quality to have in your editor. <laughs> and when you're a black yes. woman, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, absolutely. And I like surprising people, you know. And so I've learned, you know, there. I, I seem really laid back, but I am a very strategic person. I read about strategy. I practice strategy. It is very interesting to me. I know all about Machiavelli. I know all about the makings of the court. 
So it is really intriguing to me on many levels to see how people operate. I've read the 48 Laws of Power 48 <laughs> times, you know. So this is a part of my character that I don't think people know a lot about, but I am always working behind the scenes getting things done. You know, that's I have I love having a sense of purpose and I love figuring out creative ways to get things done. And as an editor, you have, you know, 50 different jobs mm-hmm. all at the same Say time. Yep. It's good to know it's good to know how to work and how you work best. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's it keeps me creative and allows me to do what I love, as I said, in many different ways, in many different incarnations. It's exciting to me. Okay. In the story, Luzette is the story Luzette is based in an optometrist office. So our final question for you <laughs> is what what's the most <clears throat> unexpected place you've had sex? <laughs> oh. You know I'm a Scorpio, oh, right? So like, I should have started off with that. Well, I'm a Scorpio. No such thing as an unexpected place for a Scorpio. <laughs> but you know, we get a bum rap. We are faithful. We are kind. We are the best friends you could ever possibly have. We got you. Just don't yes. fuck with us. <laughs> My mother's a Scorpio. That, I know that. We got you. you. Yeah. Still waters run deep, okay? Still, you know, we cool, but I got my shank. So I will shank you if you deserve it. If not, I will give you the shirt off my back. You know, so we get a bad rap. Yes, we're very sexual, but we can go without sex for a really, really long time because sex is important Mm. to us. I don't want to waste it, Mm. you know? I've gone gone for two years without sex. I'm a Scorpio. I've gone for two years without sex. Nearly killed the man I got with. But my point is, like, I don't want to squander it. I would rather have no sex than bad sex. Well, no, that's I, I'm not going to lie to you. I have, you know, I have other things yeah. I can be doing. Well, you can be you doing know? yourself. A lot of I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> I can do it myself. So <laughs> the strangest place I have ever had sex. I really have to think about that because... Um, you know, I'm not really prudish about sex. And I started out that way. You know, we were colonized. So we have a lot of these British influences mm. that I grew up with with my parents, you know. And they, my mom was a prude. And I grew up with this idea that you don't have sex until you're married. Sex is not fun. Sex is a chore. You do it to get it over with. You do it to have kids. So I got came into it with all of these negative stereotypes. And I, I was a virgin in college. Luckily, I started at 15, so I wanted to get that out of the You know, yeah, I started at 15, thank God. But, you know, I, I, I was a virgin when I got to college. Um, but I wanted to experiment. I was like, what is all this sex stuff? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Nobody talked to me about it. You know, I didn't know anything about it. Um, so I've had sex in a number of different locations. However, I have not actually had a lot of partners. You know, I was that girl who was in a 10-year relationship three times, you know. For real. So, okay, in the back of trucks, you know, I went to Southampton, so we would drive out onto the beach in the back of a truck. Um, at the top of the Statue of Liberty. Wow. So back when we had to walk all the way up. So that was something we wanted to try. Um, 
uh, on the pier at Red Hook. That was nice. cool. Wow. I like water, so I've got a water thing. I am a water sign. Um, during a during a, a birthday shower, was it a wedding? A baby shower. So during a baby shower, <laughs> we were in the closet, so we did that. And um, so, you know, for me, it's not really like I'm thinking about the place. It's, it's what just you want to do. The mo- it's either a plan or the yeah. moment hits, and yeah. we're like, where are we going? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so that type of thing. But um, I, I can't really think of a place. Those are great places. That's like normal. Like the strangest place might be my bed. To be honest, <laughs> I'm just like, I, there's so many other places to go and so many other things to do. You know, but I, you know, for me, sex is about being comfortable, mm. being intimate, experimenting, having yes. fun. There's nothing sexier than having fun in really bed. Intriguing. That makes yeah. all the difference. Yeah. Yep. That's dope. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. That was our last question. Thank you for having me. Uh, where can people <laughs> find you and your work? Well, you know, my website, brownsugarbooks.com, you can find all of my work there. You can also find me on Facebook as well. I post about writing, I post about editing, and um, I'm always happy to chat about, you know, any type of book ideas. So please take a look at my website, and uh, I hope you are continuing to read the Brown Sugar series. They're still out there and, and doing we really well. We have all four. Yes. <laughs> And don't forget Wanderlust, which was about travel. These were all erotic travel tales. Wanderlust. I'm there too, just be forewarned. Mm-hmm. Travel. Yeah, travel. It That's a good a one. Category. Oh, and, and you're on Twitter mm-hmm. at Carol A. Taylor 117, too, right? One, one. I said two. Yes. As an also, my bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's my. Uh, 11-7. Thank you, guys. I really think this is wonderful what you're doing. You know, and it's sad that we feel like we have to have like a separate space or a safe space to be able to talk openly about sex and sexuality. I mean, but that to me is just a part of hegemony. You know, we should be able to talk about anything that we want mm-hmm. to talk about, especially something as intimate. Yes. As sex. But unfortunately, that's not there. So we, you know, like you created it, we're kind of trying to carry that on. Keep yeah. it going. Absolutely. And you are. So thank you guys very much for this. I do appreciate it. Keep fighting the good fight thank and doing you. the good work. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by us, Erica and Kenria, and edited by Ballistic. The theme song is from Brazy. Every five-star review posted on Apple Podcasts between now and July 31st, 2019, will be entered into a raffle to win a copy of one of the books we read on the show. We're giving away five books. Just post your review and email a screenshot to the turnonpodcast at gmail.com to enter. And please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at the TurnOnPod and Instagram at the TurnOnPodcast. And find links to books, transcripts, guest info, and other fun stuff at the turnonpodcast.com. Holla!